Welcome back to our listeners. This is Deep Point, an extra edition from the Emerging Cricket Podcast, where we look in depth at an issue that we didn't get time for on the main Friday show. This week's, uh, well, it's an extraordinary episode with news filtering out of the US about a pending crisis in the great hope of American cricket, the Major League Cricket, and a a rift between Major League Cricket's owners, American Cricket Enterprises, or ACE, and the the board of USAC, uh, USA Cricket, the governing body. And to discuss the goings-on, as always, is Emerging Cricket's USA correspondent, Nate Hayes. Welcome on. Thanks, Nick. It's uh, it's we always end up talking. Well, we don't always end up talking, but a lot of times it's when there's bad news. <laughs> well, that's just because uh, I think so much bad news comes out of American cricket. Uh, but uh, to introduce the uh, the latest crisis, I guess, and and it's a pretty serious one. Uh, we've had an email circulating from the uh, CEO of the Atlanta Fire uh, minor league team, Hassan Tarek. Uh, basically, he's making the claim that USAC is going to deny accreditation for the MLC tournament, which is a pretty extraordinary uh, move from a governing body to deny accreditation for a partner that it's signed a, a long contract with. And, you know, we've seen all the preparations, the draft, the big name overseas players. Uh, everything seems to be going on full steam ahead with, with high profile overseas owners of, of a bunch of teams. And yet they haven't sanctioned the event. And, and it seems like at least Tarek is under the impression that the, the, the board is going to withhold sanctioning for this year, at least, which is... Yeah, amazing if that happens. So <laughs> I guess let's start with the the biggest problem here and 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 just kind of work back from here but you know ha- what is the email saying and and what is Tarek claiming is going to happen? Well, the email claims that the ownership group uh t- about 27 uh teams uh got together, had a meeting. They were told that if if the league wasn't sanctioned by a specific time that it wouldn't be it wouldn't go forward with a league like this minor league cricket as you know 27 teams coast to coast uh broken up into into four divisions of equal tier and it takes an immense amount of planning to run this league this is a four million dollar a year operation so it is a semi-professional league that's paid for by major league cricket and the owners of these teams usa cricket doesn't have to pay a penny of this and we've had two full successful seasons of, of minor league cricket that have culminated in finals that were played at, here at Church Street Park uh, both times in front of crowds of 2,000 plus people, streamed to hundreds of thousands of people, especially in, in Asia. But, well, USA Cricket has decided not, not to sanction it yet. Uh, they are under obligation to, according to the contract for, for 50 years, to to sanction specifically the contract says Major League and Minor League Cricket, according to the contract that, they, that they've that they signed. It does specifically say those those two leagues. And obviously, Major League Cricket, formerly known as ACE, they have exclusive rights to short format cr- professional cricket leagues. So basically, he's saying that the league won't, won't continue this year because it hasn't been sanctioned in time. For the owners to to do a good job putting the season together, it's already been quite a long time for this to happen. This has been the talk of the cricket community here for the last month at least, whether or not this would get sanctioning. Uh, ever since Atul Rai sent an email to the members saying that there was going to be a town hall to discuss some grievances by minor league cricket owners and uh, and other things like that, but they never did hold that town hall, which was supposed to happen two days later but it never did occur they actually announced uh shortly after that they were canceling it and 
Yeah, so we're waiting for this to be sanctioned. It doesn't. It looks like right now it's not looking too good. The email says the league's going to be canceled. The league hasn't confirmed that or denied it. Neither has USA Cricket. I've sent an email to them, and I haven't heard back, which is not unusual. They haven't replied to me in, you know, half a year at least. So <laughs> that's the whole other issue, yeah. It's tricky, and I think to understand the whole thing, to understand what the problem is, because a lot of people listening are going to be like, why wouldn't they sanction this? You know, a lot of people know about minor league cricket around the world right now. And uh, so a lot of people are wondering what, what could possibly be wrong. And frankly, so are we. But um, I could talk about the USA Major League timeline and we can lay some things out and people can read into the tea leaves. Yeah, let's do that. So <laughs> um, it, it's a long story. It, it goes back to 2019 or well, before then, even when the U.S was uh, suspended and then expelled and then readmitted under a kind of heavily, you know, the ICC was sort of holding their hand through the early days of the U.S. cricket administration. And as part of that process, uh, they sent out a request for proposal process in 2019, uh, looking for, you know, long-term partners to help build the game in the U.S. And the uh, USAC board ended up selecting American Cricket Enterprises, or ACE, as the strategic partner, which granted ACE the exclusive right to short-form professional cricket in the US. Um, So that all happened in 2019. Take us through that deal, which kind of set off everything else that is to follow. Right. Well, in the deal, ACE, uh, which was composed of Willow founders, uh, Samir Mehta and Vijay Srinivasan, and uh, Satya Gajwani and Vineet Jain, principals of Times of India Group. So they won the bid. And that was a little bit contested by somebody who lost out, but it was shot down immediately in the courts. So what that does, what that does, and this was explained in the 2020 AGM uh, by Ian Higgins the, at, at the time, the the chairman of USA Cricket. You can find this video on USA Cricket's uh, uh, YouTube for now, where he talks, he breaks down the USA Major League Cricket Agreement. And of course, that AGM happened over a year later than it should have, but he breaks it down, and that agreement it was a ninety-five to five split of the revenue uh, from Major League Cricket and USA Cricket. Now, this is important to an important distinction is the revenue here. It's the combined revenues of USA and Major League Cricket will be split ninety-five percent in favor of Major League Cricket and five percent to USA Cricket. Now, this is a professional sports league we're talking about. Major League Cricket it's, it's a franchise cricket league. And they're giving 5% of the revenue right off the top to USA Cricket risk-free. And at a, the minimum contribution, if there is no revenue, which is what's happening right now because the league hasn't launched. So for the last three years, Major League Cricket has given $399,000 a year to uh, USA Cricket. That's the minimum amount that they're supposed to give. Well, that's, yes. Uh, so <laughs> I know it's kind of a thing in the film industry to talk about uh, net points or gross points for contracts, you know, actors and writers and whatnot, um, and, and to avoid any kind of funny business with supposedly unprofitable films, is you want to be paid off the gross revenue. So right off the bat, USAC has managed to get gross points here. They're getting paid 5% of the gross, not of the net profits, which which can be fiddled with. Correct. And this is one of the points of contention amongst some of the people in the board and uh, amongst some actual some uh, USA Cricket members have brought this up. They feel it's not a great deal. Oh, the USA is only getting 5%. But when you look at other professional sports leagues in the USA and around the world, 
Look at Major League Baseball. There is a USA Baseball national governing body. It is not held to the same esteem as, as USA Soccer or a, the uh, ECB or something. But there is a national governing body for baseball. And Major League Baseball doesn't have any contractual obligation to give them anything. And if they did give them 5%, that would be more than... That would be... <laughs> you know, there are 30 Major League Baseball teams, right? How are you going to give USA Baseball, who only has a few tournaments a year, 5%? cut of the revenue you're not going to do it it would be insane and every major league baseball franchise would freak out about it, it would be incredibly limiting and that's why you know even if you look at this five percent revenue going straight to usa it, it, it could be a limiting factor for major league cricket in the future if they want to continue expanding if the idea is eventually then this is what a lot of people in england are worried about that major league cricket's going to take over franchise cricket in the northern hemisphere during the northern hemisphere summer and it's going to become a long league with a lot of teams and it's going to make their hundred irrelevant well if you're you're not going to approach that if you're giving more than 5% of your revenue to the national governing body right off the top, you're not going to be able to have a very large league that, that goes a long time. If you're giving more than a team's worth of share to USA Cricket, who's going to play fewer uh, games in the USA during viewing hours, Major League Cricket is going to play many more games during viewer hours for Americans to watch. It's going to have a much better presentation. As we know, Associate Cricket is not treated well by the ICC in terms of broadcast quality, which limits the you know the amount of sponsorship money they can get because it doesn't look like a great product until you got Ali Khan who's out there blowing the doors off people taking seven wickets and he's doing it on a pretty lousy stream. So there's a lot of justification for that 95-5 split in, in Major League Cricket's favor, if you ask me. Also, Major League Cricket is responsible for building the stadiums, for growing a minor league cricket, which is a $4 million a year, a year tournament, for building more turf and more Hybrid wickets. We talk about hybrid wickets a lot on on where we have in the past a lot on emerging cricket, especially in the 2020 year, uh, 2021 year when it was kind of a newer thing. But this year, minor league cricket was supposed to be played 100% on hybrid or turf wickets. That's a really big deal in the USA. We didn't have a single hybrid wicket before major league cricket came around. We had a lot fewer turf wickets as well, and we had many, much fewer uh, meaningful cricket played on turf wickets, uh, you know, outside of maybe the U.S. Open or something like that. So these are things that Major League Cricket is responsible for, and that's, these are things that they're delivering on. Uh, obviously, the stadium question, they're supposed to have uh, venues built by, I think, 2024 or 2025, and they plan on having six new venues built. However, you're talking about right now they have a budget for the year uh, of $120 million. In the Series A, they secured $44 million and another $76 million of, of pledges from investors, including CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nadella, Ross Perot Jr., many, many more people. And Tanrir Ahmed, the owner and founder of the Prairie View Cricket Complex in Houston, which has gotten an awful lot of use in the last few years by USA and by MLC. Uh, so you're talking about people who already are invested in the community, who are Series A investors here, as, long, uh, as well as some big shooters like Satya Nadella and Ross Perot Jr. And, you know, so a total of $120 million or so to be spent, I believe, the first year of Major League Cricket launches um, or, or, you know, maybe a year from then. And that's an awful lot of money. They're currently doing a $20 million renovation on a baseball stadium in Dallas that they're converting to a cricket stadium. 
In case you don't know, venues, stadiums in the USA are incredibly expensive and difficult to build. There, you have to go through a long process to secure the right to build these. And, and Major League Cricket has chosen six very popular, dense cities, which which are difficult to build in. And so they're building, they're get, trying to get creative. Uh, the DC. I've talked about this many times, but DC, Washington, D.C. is the, the Washington Freedom have partnered with George Mason University to build a baseball cricket hybrid facility on their campus. And now their campus is already used heavily for a lot of entertainment. They have a arena there that's one of the 100 busiest uh, entertainment arenas in the in the world. And so they already have the, the parking infrastructure, the the uh, road infrastructure to get in and out of there. So they're getting creative with their solutions for for these they don't have a deal in place to build the stadium, but they have a deal to explore building the stadium. And this is the same with with the other the other municipalities. They have everybody kind of at least started the seeds planted at least everywhere except for the New York, New Jersey area. And I know that's definitely the most challenging one. It's very difficult to build a stadium there. So they're starting to deliver on the on the stadium front, and that's going to take some time. In the meantime, they're playing their games. This year, they're supposed to play their games in Dallas, and there's word that there's that they're also they haven't announced this, but there's word that they're going to try to have some games here at Morrisville too, at Church Street Park, where they've recently uh, injected over a million dollars to to build some permanent stands. They are in the process of building that that right now. So these are things that they're delivering on. You know, they they're taking the risk, they're footing the bill for all of these things. So in my opinion, the ninety five five revenue split is actually a pretty good deal for USA. Well, yeah, it's it's ninety five of the actual revenue but when you've got MLC building all these facilities essentially for free for USAC because of course USAC would never have the capacity to to build all these facilities you, you know you add that into the into the deal it looks a lot better than than you know 955 as a kind of headline number yeah, you can see that doesn't look good, but you know, you add in a whole bunch of stadiums and you know grassroots venues around the country, it's starting to look a, a bit more favourable. So uh, yeah, I, I can definitely see that perspective. Yeah, so <laughs> they they signed this deal, which I believe runs for fifty years. So it's it's a long term plan, and I, I think that's a good thing. Really, is that they they're thinking in the longer time frame rather than. Uh, you know, we've seen a number of sort of short-term cash grabs in America with cricket, which have fizzled out. And, and the fact they are building it over a 50-year time frame rather than a two, three or five-year time frame is, is pretty indicative of, of where it's going. Um, so, they've you know, they've got this long-term agreement in place. Everything's all hunky-dory. And then we start seeing the clouds gathering. About a year or two later, there's a lawsuit, um, Vinu Pasiki. Uh, Shuni Salva, uh, internal struggles within the USAC board, but you know already at that point, um, you know a year or two into the deal, the conditions of the deal are starting to come under scrutiny. Right, and and, and also what Vinu and uh, Srini sued about was that the board was was taking unconstitutional actions regarding the the elections at the time and well the the board set out a referendum for their uh, members to vote on because they wanted to move the this was 2020 during covid they wanted to move the election back they didn't feel they had enough membership they had less than 800 members and they wanted to get a lot more than that they did move it back they held the referendum vote and moved it back now what vinu and srini argued was that 
there wasn't a super majority as required by the Constitution to, to do this, to, to change this election, but that the board voted to do it anyways. So that's what caused them to, to sue the board. And then because they hadn't had the elections yet, when the board voted to reelect Parag Marathi to another term as the chair, um, they argued that that should have waited until after the election so that the next board, the next composition of the board could have the chance to elect whoever was going to be the chair. So they were arguing that USA had, had not followed the, the proper constitutional steps in, in that election process. Because USA delayed that election, they were able to get 13 or 12,000 voters. But this as Peter Delapena had pointed out in his article about this at the time, uh, I believe I've mentioned it too, either on a podcast or in an article. Vino Pasiki had a kind of kind of had a lot to lose by by pushing the election back, as he had, I believe, thirty percent or so of the of the voters were, were from his kind of territory, were from the Atlanta area. So he had a lot of influence about who may who might be selected in the next election, or that's what what people, you know, that's what speculation is. There, it, it just simply you can read into that a little bit. Um, however, if it was done out of constitutional order, then you know he he did have a, a good grievance there. But the lawsuit was dismissed eventually due to a technicality doing due to being filed uh, in the in the wrong court. I feel like a lot of the time when these uh, lawsuits get dismissed due to these kinds of technicalities, it's um the court doesn't really want to weigh in on the merits of the case, so they just find some you know like oh yeah we can't hear it at all. They see cricket and they run the other direction maybe. <laughs> But yeah, so so the so the lawsuit was dismissed. They held the 2020 AGM, AGM over a year late, where Ian broke down the deal. And they also one of the things they also talked about in the deal uh, that Ian talked about was and was talked about much more outside of that presentation. The presentation for this deal is about a half hour long, by the way. It is worth watching. It is on it's on USA Cricket's YouTube. It's the 2020 AGM. But one of the things that was touched on there is Major League Cricket's plan to import players to play in the minor league. Now, like as we said before, minor league cricket is 27 teams coast to coast. You you want to have good players in the country to develop good players in the country. And so Major League Cricket brought over some a lot of players with with high level experience, a lot of first class players in their late 20s to early 30s who you know, they were not going to play to represent their nation. So they came over and the deal is with these major league players that, that have been brought over um, to, to fill out the, the minor league. You know, there were about 50 of them brought over over the past three years was um, that they had to sign a contract that said that their behavior would be in line with the ICC's requirement for them to qualify for USA cricket for, you know, a new nation, which means you have to be there for, for three years and, and have to be there for 10 months every year in country you know so that was kind of the thing that made all the people who signed it had to follow those rules so at that point they considered all of those people uh locals for the sake of minor league cricket and they allowed every team to bring over one overseas you could have two mlc contract players the first year uh one overseas and then you had to play a one one u19 and 121 in every playing 11 so you had this great mix of Local pros, which were the major league guys, the overseas pros, a U19, a U21, and then the rest were the best local players you could get in the area. Some of those players were USA players, some of them former USA players, and some of them just guys that happened to live. You know, if you resided in the USA, it didn't matter how long you were, and if you lived in the area 
where your draft was located because these drafts were broken into zones, then you qualified to play as a local on that team. So the quality of the cricket was actually pretty good. It was pretty good cricket. And people make a big deal about Major League, but Minor League Cricket is where Major League Cricket really helps out with the national product. And it gives everyone a stage to perform against each other. It's a weekend league. It's a semi-pro league. It happens across 10 weeks, weekends only. And um, yeah, so I, I think it's been an amazing thing for, for cricket in the USA. If you talk to any of the U19s or any of the U21s, they love it. I've never heard them complain about the players being brought over from over uh, from overseas. I, I talked to Aaron Jones about this. He loves it. He's he's and I've asked him before. Do you feel this threatens your chance, your spot on the team? He said, I think it makes me have to play better to keep my spot on the team. And so, you know, there's a give and take to it. There are guys who feel kind of entitled to, I've been here longer than these guys have, so I should be entitled to uh, representing USA when these people become eligible, or I should be entitled to a spot on a major league team. But, you know, that's been a big question. It's it's There is always an argument over favoring overseas players and fans or favoring local players and fans. And to me, you know, Major League Cricket has an opportunity to kind of do a hybrid solution for that. Major League Cricket has a massive advantage as far as the, the, the Franchise League of Major League Cricket has a huge advantage over most startup sports leagues in the USA in that there's already a cricket fan base here made out of expats, but there's a massive fan base in India and other parts of the world. So that we'll watch this because of it's the window of time that it's played in uh, during the summer. It doesn't really compete against much. So it has this massive advantage that it can get by just playing to the overseas crowds. But I think they do understand that they want to attract new crowds here. They they know that they're, the sustainability of their of their league is going to be in the local fan bases. So that's, um, it's really a big advantage. A lot of people talk about the two different sides of the coin, but I think that they're still part of one coin. Yeah. And the importing the players, the plan there is to kind of, you know, lift up the standard quickly by bringing in players. And then as those guys retire, ideally you're replacing them with, uh, you know, with, with local Americans, you know, people who've grown up in the U.S. playing cricket. And uh, right. uh, instead of having a majority foreign-born league, eventually, sort of five to ten years down the track, your league is mostly made up of local guys who've, who've come up through the American system. And MLC isn't just continuing to pay to bring in more players from overseas. Right, right. And let's look at something, too. A lot of people are complaining about this issue right now. This is actually a point of contention that apparently USA Cricket has with Major League Cricket. There are rumors that one of the demands that USA Cricket has against Major League Cricket is that all of the USA players, any every player who has who plays for USA, be included in Major League Cricket. That's what one of their demands. But let's look at that and how that works with other franchise cricket leagues. When you get into a six-team draft and, and you have your pros you're bringing from overseas, the draft is dictated by the scarcity of the role in, in that local player pool, which which we saw evidence of when Rusty Theron was taken in the first round. Now, he's 37 years old. A lot of people were baffled that Rusty Theron is taken in the first round. But how many fast bowlers of his ability in the USA as domestics, how many of them are there? There aren't many. You had just had Ali Khan taken. And it makes sense to me if you're going to rank all the fast bowlers that he he would be either that the next one to go or the next next one to go and and so yeah it's about the scarcity of the roles you know the teams are going to take the players they need we've talked many times before about how deep the left arm orthodox role is in the usa 
you know, the 10th best left arm orthodox bowler in the USA could step into the USA team and have some success. Well, you're not going to have 10 left arm orthodox bowlers go in a six team draft. You're just not going to have it. Some teams are going to bring their own. Some teams feel like they don't need the role. They'll go with a leg spinner of their own or something. So you're going to have players left out. That's the nature of these types of uh, drafts, especially when there's only six teams. Uh, and, and we had a lot of people compare USA's deal. They, they poo-pooed the 95-5 revenue split because they argued that, you know, oh, look at South Africa. They got way more money from, you know, for their professional league. Well, yeah, South Africa had venues like we've talked about. They had venues. They had first class. They have a first class system in place. They have players who are very, very good. Yeah, the um the investors in that case were not building all the facilities from scratch and bringing in the entire professional setup from scratch. So <laughs> that's kind of yeah, not a great comparison. Right, it's a terrible comparison. If you want to make Major League Cricket look like heroes, you make that comparison because it's so easy to to, to pick it apart. But if you're going to compare the South Africa T20 to to the Major League, let's also compare the fact that South Africa's captain didn't even make their T20 franchise league. He wasn't even picked up. So, you know, you can't really tell a franchise cricket league who they got to take in the draft when they're the ones in, in, uh, putting the money into the league. You know, that's really overstepping. You know, that's really overreaching. So, uh, like, the ICC isn't out telling national teams who, which players to choose, you know? It, it's it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, so, and, and I guess in, in that case, you know, you've, you've had the the issues with the the players being imported and and some rumblings around there last year as you alluded to they got around 120 million dollars uh to pump into the major league season and that kind of brings us almost up to the present day in that uh we've got Atul Rai taking over uh at, at the USAC board and suddenly we hear that the U the, the administration is in a huge amount of debt and you know we're hearing all these stories about uh employees and contractors not being paid for months and it seems like everything's kind of falling apart. So yeah, how how did we get here? Well, yeah, this is this is a big thing the the you know, USA announced that they were 600,000 in debt uh when I, Atul Rai took over. This was the announcement they made. So, well, one of the big debts was at the 2021, 2021 was a ma- was an amazing year for domestic cricket in the USA. We had four national championships that year, two two men's and two women's. You know, that's absolutely tremendous. And then we end the the year in December, in late December, right around Christmas with a we we decide to host Ireland. And that ends up costing us quite a bit of money. I believe we probably would have broken even or come close to breaking breaking even if we had been able to hold the entire series. Uh, We had a two T20s and three ODI scheduled against Ireland, but we had a, a COVID outbreak, which upended everything after the two t20s at both teams it was you know went throughout the camp and you know we've i mentioned before i wrote an article about this that covid outbreak happened well it looks like that covid outbreak happened due to the u.s open which happened just before that which caused a lot of controversy uh and usa cricket actually had some liaison at the at the u.s open who were challenging the handling of covid by the uh, u.s open tournament runners and claiming that this would threaten the ireland series and and turns out everyone at the ireland series got covid and they had to cancel the thing after two t20 so there was something to that so that 
ended up costing USA, I think, $200,000. Uh, at the end of it all, that's a $2,000 hole there. And I believe the rest of their, we don't know what the rest of their debt was from, but it says unexpected admin costs. Well, when, you, when you've got all these lawsuits flying around, you can kind of guess where, where the unexpected admin costs are coming in. So, Yes. So Atul Rai, he assumes the chairman of the USA cricket board, and he's definitely behind the eight ball when he does it. There's no question about it. He's in, in a bad spot. And him and Kuljit Singh, both of them were, were voted in at the same time. So Atul takes charge. And recently, you know, we've been waiting for Major League Cricket and Minor League Cricket to be sanctioned. In the meantime, Atul is voted out as chairman by uh, his fellow board members and Kuljit is inserted as chairman. I believe this happened at the end of March or sometime in March. And so now Kuljit is the chairman of USA Cricket, and we still don't have any sanctioning for Major League or Minor League Cricket, and we're still not getting the transparency that these guys clamored for a year ago when they were campaigning for this for these positions. So we don't know what's happening, why they haven't. We, we can just kind of speculate based on some of the criticisms out there of the deal. Uh, what, what's holding it up. But, you know, like I've, I've laid out the deal, I think, in a decent way here and the benefits of it. And I don't really, I don't really know what the exact criticisms are because we just can't, we're not getting an, any answers about it. Yeah, so that kind of almost brings us up to the present day. And basically now we're in this, <laughs> this situation where the accreditation, the, the sanctioning hasn't happened and we're waiting for the sanctioning at possibly won't happen and now yeah we've got sort of team owners starting to panic because the minor league might not happen and then uh the major league might not happen um and which yeah would be kind of disastrous for uh, you know launching you know a shiny new league that is supposed to attract uh, or you know everyone to american cricket and provide a kind of stable base for the game to grow it's definitely going to set the game back if if it doesn't happen i mean look <laughs> There's a lot of armchair lawyers going around, um, a lot of questions around the legal obligations of, of both parties. But, as, I mean, as far as I can see, the contract says that they need to sanction this event. And, and if they don't do that, well, are they just how, how can they just ignore the requirements here? Well, so, yeah, so if you look at the contract, it says that the short form agreement is meant to become the long form agreement if there's no changes to the deal, if the two sides don't go into arbitration and, and come to a different agreement, then the short form agreement turns into the long form agreement. Right. So they started with this short format agreement. They started for the short form agreement, right. And whether or not they reached a long form agreement is kind of up in the air. It's, it's Some people are arguing that they didn't. But according to the language of the contract, the short form agreement becomes a long form agreement if there's no changes made. So some of the, you talked about armchair lawyering and i'm I'm gonna do a little bit of that now <laughs> <laughs> so some people are saying that you know because ace and major league cricket haven't budged on negotiating you know and why would mlc if they like the deal why would they want to budge on that but at the same time if us some people are saying speculating that if usa's made a lot of earnest attempts in the past, which we don't know if they have, but if they have made a lot of earnest attempts in the past to come to a, a real long form agreement that's any different from the short form agreement, that might have some weight in a court anyways. But I, I don't know enough about that to, to, to tell you, but 
uh, yeah, that's how the that's the terms of the contract is that the short form becomes the long form if there's no no changes made to it. So yeah, and here's a couple of things. Yes, like you said, it would be disastrous because we have some of these players here who some of these overseas that have signed up for major league cricket, they're really big name players. Hasaranga, Quentin DeCock, um, Norton, Nort, you said you can say his name. Enric Nokia. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, Aaron Finch. Yeah, Aaron Finch. These guys could have gone on to play in the hundred, but they turned this down, that opportunity down to play here in major league cricket. And if all that falls through now, they've just lost out on opportunity cost. You know, a player's career is only so long. So are players going to trust us in the future if this doesn't get sanctioned now? Are we, you know, will we have a 2024 version or will we just be, will it be done? Will this be the end? And and that's a really big concern. I do think there's hope for a minor league season, though. If you look at the way this summer's laid out, I think this is the big hope that I'm clinging to, even if the, the first half of minor league is canceled because they don't have enough time to organize it. So minor league was supposed to start in June, run right up until major league in July, and then the month of July was going to be major league cricket, and then minor league would resume after that. So minor league's already kind of split in half as it is. If we don't have a first half of a minor league, I'm holding out hope that we'll be able to still have a second half of minor league. So I think that splitting of the season is a blessing there. It gives us a chance to potentially have both leagues this summer if they can come to to a deal. Well, there's been some stories coming around uh, about, for example, the fair break tournament, which is supposed to be held in the U.S. Um, The sanctioning of it was at risk because one of the uh, administrators wanted to get their face in a publicity photo and, uh, and until that happened the sanctioning was being blocked so there's certainly stories of uh, pettiness going around in the US board but it, it just seems kind of incredible that they would be willing to just torpedo this this huge deal with you know major international and domestic investors uh, IPL teams involved <laughs> it's it's mind-boggling to me that these these you know, two-bit little uh, cricket administrators in the U.S. Um, are, are able to make this whole gigantic thing fall over, and they're willing to make the whole gigantic thing fall over, even though they have no seemingly no legal leg to stand on. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I think that they maybe think they might that they clearly they think they have a legal leg to stand on, and I so so that I don't be an armchair lawyer anymore. I'm just gonna say I don't know if they do. <laughs> But it's it seems like whether or not they do, what's the right thing to do here? What's the thing to do for cricket? How what's the right thing to do for cricket in the USA? And I can't see how you can make the argument that not having major league cricket at this point is the right thing to do for cricket in the USA. One one more thing that there are other leagues that aren't getting sanctioned right now, too. It's not just major league and minor league cricket. Nothing's getting sanctioned. There are a lot of people contacting Everybody around the country that's involved in running t- different tournaments saying, why, you know, my league's not being sanctioned. I can't really make any plans right now. And so it's not just major league uh, and minor league cricket. And it's not just USA. And there's all kinds, there's all kinds of speculation as to why these things aren't being approved either, including problems with the portal. There are people saying that there might be problems with the portal or them or USA accessing the, the portal. So there's a lot of excuses being given right now and nobody knows what's real and what isn't. Yeah, I guess um, maybe just good old shambolic incompetence might be a, a candidate here as well to, to explain a lot of this. Um, so as as we're kind of wrapping up, uh, just to give a bit of a small summary, uh, put it in a nutshell, the USAC board's main issues of contention are that they're not getting enough money out of the deal, um, which 
I mean, when you consider, yeah, as we've said, the facilities that are being built, the minimum 400K uh, minor league cricket alone costing $4 million a year, all the benefits they're already getting. Yeah, to me personally, in my opinion, that seems kind of crazy. Um, and the other issue is that they want to have a, a contracted a USA national team player on the roster in every uh, major league team, which is kind of weird because a lot of these national team players are being paid through MLC anyway. So it's kind of like they're complaining about, you know, MLC not paying them, but then, you know, MLC still paying them. Yeah, I don't know. It seems a bit strange. On that point, to make things worse, Major League Cricket held a combine ahead of the draft where all the scouts from the Major League teams would come, and they invited USA to the combine. USA, uh, well, they did have the quarter, the qualifier playoff to, to prepare for, and they won the qualifier playoff, so it's, you know, uh, but they decided to schedule a tour of India to prepare for Namibia at the exact same time, and Major League Cricket said, hey, why don't you come here and we'll let you prep for Namibia here in Houston during the the combine. And this way, the scouts can see you. And USA Cricket decided not to do that. Instead, they went to India. And because they scheduled the India trip at the last minute, uh, they were unable to three of the players were unable to go because they were uh, Pakistani. So they were unable to get visas in time to go. One of those players was Ali Khan, who was the best player in the entire tournament. He went to the combine and and prepared there. And then he went to Namibia and, and did extremely well. So both parties did really well. The, the big thing is when they went to India, they played a lot of up and coming players who have not yet managed to accumulate much experience. And there's infinitely more uh, first class experience that was available in Houston uh, during that combine um, than there was in India where they went to prepare. So my opinion was they should have gone to Houston. We wouldn't have, we probably would have had maybe a couple more USA players selected, but a total of 16 players in the major league draft have played for USA. And by the time the league launches, 24 eligible USA players will be in the major league teams, 24 players who are eligible for USA. Uh, by July, by the time the league ends, uh, will be playing in Major League Cricket. So some of the players in Major League Cricket will be eligible for USA between now and July, basically. And and if you wait, and if you wait until if you decide not to have the league th- for this reason this year, you decide to push it back to next year. We'll we'll launch in 2024 because you didn't put enough USA players in there, USA eligible players in there. By the time it, the league happens in 2024, I believe it was something about 75% or so, or 70%, a large chunk of these guys that are, are, are considered locals in Major League Cricket will, will already be qualified for USA. So you're going to be dealing with the same thing. The same players are going to be in the league as locals. They'll just be pushing it back a year. Well, and, you know, 24 eligible players out of, what, 54 uh, con- contracted players? That's, that's pretty close to half being uh, eligible national team players and i uh, you know if you push it back to next year as you say um it'll be what 70 80 percent yeah so i don't know uh, it's just a ongoing yeah slow motion disaster in the usa hopefully uh this has managed to clear up some of the questions about what's going on but yeah it's all pretty murky and yeah it's definitely one to keep an eye on <laughs> unfortunately as you said at the top a lot of the time when we are doing these uh, deep point episodes about the US, it's it's because something um, something shambolics happened in their administration. And uh, yeah, a, lo- a lot of the success that's been going on with 
minor league cricket is kind of in spite of USAC rather than because of them, I, I think we can say. Yeah, safe to say. Well, that uh, brings another episode of Deep Point to its conclusion. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Nate. And uh, yeah, just trying to keep us up to date on all the comings and goings of uh, the, the Byzantine world of American cricket. Yeah, fingers crossed. You know, I'm hoping for the best. You know, what would suck would be you edit this whole thing and everything's fine tomorrow. <laughs> Well, I think that would be the best case scenario, really, for cricket. On behalf of the team at Emerging Cricket, thanks for tuning in, and remember that you can, of course, subscribe in the usual audio apps for regular podcasts, keeping you up to date with news from all over the world of Emerging Cricket. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for loads more great content. Bye for now.